0: and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. It's all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. it goes a long way. <laughs>
1: Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox.
0: Life can hurt, but life is sweet.
1: Little Way rated PG thirteen may be inappropriate for children under thirteen. Now streaming exclusively on Termount Plus.
0: This week's podcast is one of my favorite uh, thus far. I mean, I talked to Selena Gray, who's an international money coach. She teaches people about their relationship to money. And she's also, I'm, I'm so grateful to call her one of my very good friends. And we in this episode, if you have any relationship issues with money in any way, debt cycles, have a hard time making it, you're in jobs you don't like, she really helps uncover a lot of those details through a lot of my own story and my own stuff. And I uncover actually a pretty big, thing at the end. So uh, be sure you listen to this whole one. It is filled with so many nuggets. She's such a genius. And of course, please share it if you know of anyone. So everyone who can benefit from improving their relationship to money. Um, Of course, also being able to offer me five stars, giving me a written review on iTunes or wherever you listen to it. That would be so amazing. I'd be ever so grateful. So I'm sure everybody is probably wondering why am I talking to someone about money when generally I talk about relationships and that's not just romantic relationships, but you know, relationships of all kinds. And it really comes back to my own experience as everything selfishly does. Let's be honest. Um, It was once I started to figure out romantic relationships and I started to understand them and I'm like, wait, I'm actually not so bad at this. I'm actually building some skills Then I was like, wow, I got to pick apart my other areas of weakness, the place where I really struggle and insert, that's going to sound weird, insert Selena Gray. Uh, That sounded like this is now an explicit podcast. (laughs) Um, Insert Selena Gray, because I went to her and we had, I, I worked with her for a little while and still continue to on my relationship to money. So Selena, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And Selena also hails from the same province that I hail from, uh, Alberta, which is like a state for the Americans listening. Um, and if, if people are you know listening, thinking like, OK, now we are got a money thing, I find people are often very sensitive to the topic of money.
1: Yes, we're deeply sensitive because there's a lot of shame. Everybody has shame around money. And we don't see money as having a relationship. It's just something that's in our life. And when we shift to saying, Yeah, how does money show up? And how can I have a better relationship with it? Everything shifts.
0: Yeah, because actually, as I said that, I could feel a little part of my stomach that was like, Money, (laughs) you don't know what you're doing sometimes. And my relationship to debt, of like, as you know, going into debt, making money, getting out of debt, going back into debt. My cycle is always going from red to zero. And I'd never really get to dance in the green. And if I get some green, I'm like, yo, dollar, dollar booze. And they're flying out of my hand, usually in ones in the States because it feels better. Right. Um, So why? So first off, why does our relationship to money matter? And how does it connect to our relationship to people?
1: So money is with us for life. Like we are born into a family that transactions transacts with money and then we go about our life you know spending often unconsciously and we get into relationships with humans who also need to spend and then we have complex conversations or avoid them all together and there's just events through our life like going to school or buying expensive homes or paying our rent and all of those things in a you know molecular level can cause us anxiety and overwhelm and shame and then moments of extreme excitement and it's like this roller coaster of highs and lows. And when we pause all that and lean into the silence of money and really just be an observer, it's all about energy. And you and I have had many conversations about how money is just deeply embedded in us. When we start learning about money, it's often not taught to us in a, in a really emotional way. It's just something that we use in our life to you know, value ourselves through success mm-hmm. and how other people view us. And there's this unspoken truth about money that you should look like you have a lot of it and you should never ask questions and you should just know how to use it even though we don't know how to use it. And so we really just have to cut the bullshit and say, how does money show up in our life? How can we get to the heart of what matters to us? Because money is deeply personal. All of us have a unique relationship to money. And when we share money with others, like it's very complicated. So just quieting the noise and recognizing that every single human has moments of money, shame and anxiety. And that is natural. It's about processing stories that no longer serve us and choosing new ones and then building automation and optimization around it. So it serves you in a beautiful way.
0: What do you mean by automation and optimization?
1: So automation, like looking at what you value on a really deep level. So, for some people, they really love traveling. And so they'll see an awesome adventure and they'll just go ahead and buy it immediately. And then they have extreme anxiety. I've never done that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> many people do. <laughs>
0: Insert almost every awesome adventure I've ever had.
1: And pretty much every other amazing human does exactly the same thing. And so then there's this high cortisol and extreme stress and how am I going to pay this off and avoidance? And We go through these patterns when if we just set up a simple no-fee bank account, automated it to when we get paid and actually got real about how much it costs and been proactive about saving for it, you can pay for all the trips, almost all the trips or all of them, depending on what your goals are in an easy way. That's low stress.
0: So instead of doing the red, going in the red and then trying to scrape out of the red, but then because I think for me, the paradoxical or the contrasting weird thing in that that's a little twisted is. I'm getting the dopamine hit from the purchase, but it's also coupled with stress. And just as I say that, I sort of think of my childhood where it was like, we would get, I didn't get a lot of new things as a kid, at least as far as I can remember, if mom and dad are listening, they're like, my mom, uh, we bought you a lovely bunch (laughs) of new things every year. You know, So maybe that's possible. But my memory, which I think is important to validate as my experience, is that, I would oscillate between feeling really poor and feeling being reminded, I think, more by my mom than my dad that we were poor, right. that we couldn't afford things and I had to be mindful. You know, I, I think it's important to share part of my story so people can experience yes. it through it. But I would oscillate between, I, I remember telling, <laughs> I, I'm laughing because Selena knows the the story I'm about to share. But when I was a kid, I remember, I think I was in, I was eight or seven, I think eight. I remember where I was sitting. I remember everything about it. And I'd asked for um, this Transformer for Christmas, and it was a white plane, I remember, with red stripes on it. I forget which one. I think it was Sidewinder. But anyways, um, for the Transformer nerds, they're like, yeah, it's not that <laughs> name. Or maybe it was. And I remember being so excited to open the present, and I opened it, and it was a fucking GoBot. And for those of you that don't know, that's like the shitty version of a Transformer, like, you couldn't get a transformer, so you got a Gobot. And, and the difference, your heart was crushed, broken into a million pieces. And I know that. And let me tell you, it wasn't a privilege broken because I never really got new stuff. I got all hand-me-downs. I got, and we lived in a very small house. And I remember being destroyed. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I'm not even worth a transformer. Exactly. Now, of course, my parents doing their best, but I'm a kid. So I'm not thinking that I'm thinking, God damn you. Cause through our, our, our view as a child, Mm -hmm. the world is very self-centered for the most part. Like I'm not worthy of love, respect, understanding, safety, everything becomes. um, And I say this just to give some context, our world is very narcissistic and not in a bad way. It is for survival, but everything becomes about our self-worth. And that was a defining moment for me. And I, I think, you know,
1: And we had to uncover that for you because this is not a normal thought for people. We don't automatically go back to our childhood and say, why am I choosing money decisions now? And it's mostly always rooted in childhood. Our subconscious beliefs are formed in childhood. So for you, you immediately remember that as being, you know, I'm not worthy. And so in adulthood, we go through these patterns of getting what we want and then suffering after and feeling the cortisol and going through these patterns of worthy, not worthy, and how do I unpack that? And we don't even realize it's going on is half the problem. So we need to shed light on how you grew up, the beliefs that your parents had around money that kind of embedded into you through childhood. So if there's this feels confusing to you, go back to a moment when, you know, you regularly transacted with money. So your parents, did they often buy you things? Did they give you an allowance? Do you remember them fighting about money Mm. and just uncover some of those memories? Because in there are subconscious beliefs that you still play out today that do not serve you. And you have the choice to say no and choose a new story, which is exactly what you've done
0: yeah it was interesting it was like selena and i uncovered that it was like i would i never wanted to feel what it was like to get a go bot again. yes so i would stretch myself but never really allowing myself to afford the transformer which i know this all sounds fucking ridiculous but i promise you there was so much gold in that awareness of all of a sudden i'm like i didn't want to feel the pain of that moment through a material object
1: it's self-sabotage Like you'll go and you'll achieve and then you'll spend and you're like, oh, here I am back in the same cycle. And now what?
0: Well, I think when people are listening, you know, I want you to understand your own money story because when you're in a relationship, you bring two very different money stories often. And money and finance is one of the number one reasons we break up, not just divorce because divorce is marriage is just a word we add to a relationship, you know, when we make an extra commitment, but really we're making the same commitment. We just leveled up the word. So for me, it's important of all relationships.
1: And it goes unspoken. Most people get into a relationship, continue to spend as they, they have always, don't have fluid, honest conversations that hold space for the other person, make them feel safe, say like, let's unpack this honestly together. And- often that's a huge barrier for people because they just keep spending and then it causes these there's so much shame horrific fights and yeah. then it's just a plays again the same worth story we all have worth stories around money and as children whatever our parents told us is a ceiling we create for ourselves so for you you're like well you know i wasn't worthy we couldn't afford a lot of things and so you have to choose that you are capable of of limitless earning, and you are capable of building systems around you that nourish your life. And that's how I view money: is it's a relationship that's meant to support you. Mm-hmm. It's meant to make you feel safe and secure. It's an energy. It's an energy. Yeah. Money is simply energy. It flows around us, and and we can block it, and we can have uh, shame and sabotage. But the one thing I love about money is every day is a new day, and you have a choice to do better. And there's lessons in every mistake.
0: Just as it is important to understand your money story, I emphasize a lot that it's important to understand your relational story, yes. but money is part of the relational story because even how our parents communicated about money or communicated about anything that causes conflict then teaches us how to manage conflict and what's safe or not safe to talk about. And wherever we hold shame, you know, we, we often then want to keep it secret Yes, and we want to bring this to the forefront. Like when I brought it to the forefront, I didn't like it. I was like, It's uncomfortable. Oh, good lord, it was uncomfortable. I was probably had diarrhea for a week. <laughs> just kidding. I didn't. Maybe I did. I don't know. I just Lots wanted to protect discomfort. you from my bowel movement talk. Um, okay, so because I think like from where you come from is where your, you know, the birth. I think you, you know, your mess becomes your message. Yes. So let's talk about your mess. Yes. Let's get up in there. Let's let's let these people hear and fall so in love mess. with your story. Um, so tell us a little bit about like you're. I mean, for sake of a better term, a really awesome, amazing money nerd.
1: Yeah, like, know, I, like I love it. But where I grew up, like I grew up in a family, really normal, like middle class. My parents had, you know really unhealthy relationships to money that I had no idea about, but I was always fascinated with money. I was always like realizing there was ways to earn it and that opened doors. So I was the kid, you know, in a small town risk selling things to people and seeing how <laughs> like ex- a little
0: Etsy store.
1: Yeah. Before it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, this is so exciting. I can make money from my little lady neighbors down the street until they started hiding from me. Cause they're like, Oh my God, this kid,
0: <laughs> she's taking all their bingo money. Yes. That little bastard.
1: E- exactly. And, and I just started observing. I'm like, Oh, this is fascinating. Like if I correct my mom, when she says something was $20. I'm like, no, it was actually 1994. She'd get really upset about it. Mm. And I realized my parents were fighting incessantly about money. And so I just immediately took this observer status with it. And I realized that I wanted to use money to get me to the next level immediately. I'd always saw that.
0: I wanted to Were you to be- thinking like, small town save me money? Or were you Hell like, no. what was the motivation? No, but it was it like to get out of the town, to get out of your parents' money story. Like- what was the motivation that you said to level next level?
1: When I saw that money opened doors, I was like, I want to have so much money that nobody can stop me from mm, making decisions that on the my door
0: own. is open on my I, own. Yeah.
1: I open the door. I love it. And that was like from moment one, but that started an unhealthy obsession. Mm-hmm. I always had, you know, three jobs. I was athletics. So I was on multiple athletic teams. I was a nerd in school, so you know, I was very busy, and I took pride in that. I was like, the busier I am, the more money I get. And I remember at 16 going to Europe and standing in front of the Eiffel Tower, and I was like, "Oh, see, my three jobs got me here." Like, yes, I want to work internationally. This is going to be great. And you know, I, I convinced my dad that I need to be his bookkeeper, and I started being essentially an accounting nerd from like in high school. I would article at accounting firms, which is wow, really you nerdy. Really next level. I know, nerd, nerd like really nerdy. Yeah. And then that just progressed. I started at a big four accounting firm and I started with 50 other new people and they saw how much accounting experience I had. They're like, wow, let's put her on some tough files, which I loved. So I was working on international complex files with multiple countries, multiple foreign exchange currencies, unique government. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And I immediately started working so hard to amass wealth, that it became my only driving force in life. And my personal relationships completely, essentially imploded. I got married at 23, divorced by 24. And I felt so much shame around that because I just wanted to get married like everyone else did. But I was so busy wanting to be the best and achieve and be wealthy and get praise and power. I didn't pick the right person. And so I threw myself even more into work. And for the next several years, I worked globally in, in at least 12 countries, 120 hours a week, buying Are things. Are there even that many hours in a week? That's insanity. Well, I barely slept. I'd sleep like two to three hours a night.
0: My Lord.
1: Yeah, it was ridiculous. I was a drug rep.
0: I slept actually really good. And you had it. till I realized I was a drug rep.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I was like obsessive. It was very unhealthy and it was intense. And I loved... Being needed inside a corporate environment, a team of thirty, and instead of having personal relationships, I could just go buy things in airports. You like get lost in your work, cool bags, and and I'd like that bag for two days, and then it would just implode. So I really made a ton of mistakes, and it all came to a forefront when I passed out in my office and ended up in the hospital with all kinds of issues. I, you know, was in there for twenty two days. I wow. had all kinds of trauma. I w- I was on blood transfusion, IV steroids. My colon was deeply, deeply uh, perforated, and I just felt lost. And it was like the trough of my life. Here I was, like an overachiever, obsessed with working, lots of personal failures in relationships, already divorced, you know. And now the only thing I had was work and money and making money, and it was gone. I was like what the hell am yeah, I going to do next? And I was sick. And I just was like, now what? And I was lost. And I started thinking about why am I like this? Like, what is up? Like, And my peer group was all the same. They're all obsessive overachievers too. And I started looking around me saying like, there's got to be a better way. And I started realizing that, wait a second, this obsession with money is unhealthy. And then I started diving to this concept of conscious wealth where, you know, it's a holistic view and you you use money as a tool and it's just around you. And we have complex decisions around money that we didn't even know. And I had never known like the word. You of,
0: just knew how to systemize and make money
1: make from money. hard work. Hard work was right. the only way. Like Be a Gary workhorse. Vaynerchuk,
0: like yeah. hustle, 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 don't sleep, hustle, hustle.
1: I identified only as a hustler and anything yeah. else. If I'm being totally transparent, I thought was like weakness. I was like, you have to work hard. I will show everyone I can do this. And that was a really pathetic viewpoint.
0: But what you needed from a survival perspective, you know, like when you're taught performance based love.
1: Yeah, exactly. And
0: the way to out of that performance based love or household that you grew up in to open doors is money. You'll do anything because you don't know that your health is the most important thing literally yeah till you lose your health and then you realize you know it's it's so important to, to recognize that as you said there's lessons in all mistakes totally but there's in all losses there is some beautiful like massive amount of wisdom that is waiting to be found whether your trough is your rock bottom is money love you know career purpose uh health there's always a massive two by four to the fucking head yeah, that's the saying the
1: universe is about to smack you.
0: Yeah, and it's going wake the fuck up. Do you want to know what's next? You won't like it, and I promise you that's true because I've waited because I was stubborn as shit. It was like I always waited till like you know the worst possible thing.
1: I was stubborn as shit too. Like there was all kinds of warning signs. Like my my hands and and my legs were starting to go numb, and I was getting rashes, and I was in all kinds of stomach trouble, and Man. I was just finding excuses. I'm like, Nope, I'm a workhorse. Like I can do this. I can do this. Like this is, this is beneath me. I can do anything. And, and that is a good philosophy to think about. I can do anything, but at what cost and the universe, especially not
0: paying attention to like rash, right? anxiety, Sadness. Oh, I
1: didn't even identify with the word anxiety. I was I was too powerful to say I had anxiety. I was like, nope, I that's not weakness. I will just turn this into a strength. And that in its own is a weakness. And now like I identify when I get anxiety, and we all have it. And it's okay to feel that way.
0: I think my um, disassociation where I could get lost in um, my achievement of was charm. It was like You are a charmer. Like no one would know how much I was hurting and how much I didn't know what the fuck I was doing because I would appear, I was so, I studied so much social skills that I could appear to have it all together when really, I mean, the universe was waiting to teach me that I didn't know fucking shit. Right. But it was like waiting for the two by four with charmingly. I was probably, I wasn't drinking a Scotch, let's be honest. I was probably drinking Budweiser or something awful. But no offense, Budweiser.
1: I can totally relate to this because I would just build the most complicated Excel spreadsheet and <laughs> wow my board of directors and learn whatever rules I needed to and and charm my staff beneath me. And that gave me joy. Mm. And it was just really- The
0: illusion of-
1: the It was yeah. really just facade joy. It was like helping me get to the next level. Cause if I'm really honest about all this, I was waiting so I could retire early. So then I could be happy.
0: Isn't I was so using
1: money as a tool to allow me to be happy one day instead of actually mm-hmm. just understanding. Like that destinations. Was, yes. It was that instead of a journey, I had to marathon run as fast as I possibly could. And then I would be okay. Instead of recognizing that, Hey, this money is with me all the time. And I should just understand how to make it be a, something joyful in my life. Like in its purest form, we can have joy in money. Even if you are sitting in a position where you're like, I am at the end, I have no choices. In the thousands of people I've helped, there has only been one person who couldn't come out of you know, a really dark place because they, they had just waited too long. But 99.9% of people can make real lasting change with their money, and it just begins with choice. Being brave enough to say, I can do better.
0: Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com slash AI for all. Yeah. And I see that with all aspects of relationship is like, You know, uh, that anybody can have powerful, beautiful, wonderful, loving relationships. It's not it's not just for a few. It's for anyone who's willing to look at their shit and willing to face it and think about how you think, think about how you love and think about how you spend and think about how you eat, because otherwise you just play whack-a-mole. It's
1: all wrapped up. Like you can be super successful, have a ton of money and still feel a ton of money shame. Like it has nothing to do with Mm. numbers.
0: Like pay attention to my wealth. Again, a distraction. Look at me. Look at me. Yeah.
1: Instead of getting to the heart of how do I feel worthy inside? And that's where I really advocate for inner richness. Like let's get to the heart of what actually matters to us so that we can build, you know, a, a nourishing life and not worry about others because t- society has taught us to value things and value successful people, and that is just a mirror for how little we have mm-hmm. and i I really hate that. I'm like, forget all that let's worry about what matters to us make us feel secure not just in numbers but in how money shows up in our life and in the people who we have money with like. Whether you always give money to your brother or you're still getting money from your parents when you're 55 years old or you're fighting always about money with your spouse, all of that can be sorted. It's just finding new ways to do it in a way that serves you. Like Money is so personal that I could say, do this, do this, do this, but you have to find out inside what matters to you and start doing it. And it becomes real when we get real with ourselves. And for me, getting real was laying on the floor in my closet full of designer clothes going, I am fucking miserable. And there has to be more. Like Now, what do I do? I was pursuing wealth and now I'm sick and I can't pursue wealth like I thought I could. Mm. And life was about to change. And then I started just going through my own past as we did with you and saying... You know, my parents did their very best. Like, they didn't mean to fuck me up with money. They just didn't know any better because their parents didn't have, you know, communication that was effective around money with them either. And it's like this dark cloak we don't talk about. Yet we need it to survive. We need it to have a meaningful life. And if we stop looking at it as this barrier to entry and just say, whatever I have, I can be grateful for, mm-hmm. and then use that to make more and call it in cuz money is simply energy everything changes and that's what i love about money it's not always just about what taking away and feeling restrictive and can, and what what can i remove it's how can i see this differently what other things can i bring in or welcome in like new income streams that i haven't thought of before especially in the entrepreneur game there's so many ways to make money now and our society is all about like what can we cut and when we cut things it really impacts our mood, it feels Mm -hmm. restrictive. We don't want to do it. That's why no one wants to budget because it's just restrictive and unfun. But if you're like, wait, how can I completely shift this and say, do I actually want to make money this way? How can I make money in a way that honors me and lights me up? Then shit changes.
0: When I think to the there's such a transfer of how previous generations couldn't just do anything they wanted. They didn't have the internet. So we're still adopting that mindset and that's true of love too. You know, we're very privileged in certain parts of the world to be able to choose our partners, to be able to choose our partners from a space of love. Not everyone gets that privilege and it doesn't mean other relationship structures can't work. It's just relationships were never originally, marriage was never based on love. You know, you found love through, um, affairs, you know, right? and it's fascinating as these mindsets completely shift as we get this global experience and we can, you know, the internet has really allowed us to see and give us access where like, if you want to be a famous singer, there's no longer an agent deciding if you are, it's literally, are you willing to put yourself on YouTube and sing and people go, well, there's too many singers on YouTube. And I'm like, that's not what the person who Justin Bieber thought, Right. You know, and you could, argue. well, Justin Bieber was on when YouTube was early. Oh, I could find so many examples to disprove that belief that holds you safe from making a leap towards what you love. And I used to do the same thing. It took me seven years to actually write my first post about relationships, but I accumulated a, not, a lot of knowledge in that time, but also a, a lot of fears, a lot of stubbornness, a lot of, I was paralyzed to start. And I, I think for me, what was really, there's a couple of things that were really transformative One was realizing that as an employee for a company, I was always limited with my earning potential. Yes. Right. And the other side was that how much of a poverty mindset I had and recognizing, you know, I see my parents as the children of parents and that way I can see them as children and how they were. And that really let me um, let them off the hook, but it also allowed me to look at them and assess mistakes or choices that they made. Cause I knew they were doing the best they could, but that doesn't mean that there's not an available behavior that we can all grow from. It was fascinating to sort of look at the language about money that I experienced as a kid. Like my mom grew up really poor in Ireland and my dad grew up really poor in Canada and my mom, and uh, if she's listening, much love my mom. Um, and we've t- talked about this of like, her perspective about wealth formally because now we've had these conversations was like it wasn't like rich people are bad that was never directly said but it was like why would anyone waste their money on that or why would da, da, da. and i left childhood believing that wealth was a bad thing and believing that money was a bad thing which of course what happens when you're taught that in your money pattern
1: well you just keep believing it and you keep executing and living as though it's real, even though it's not. And so we make choices about, well, oh, I'm going to be in poverty soon. Like that's what our subconscious mind is telling us. Like, oh, I better buy this because soon I won't be able to. <sighs> and then we end the cycle of of debt again. And it's it's really about stepping out and observing and saying, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I rem- I know this now, and I know that I can choose differently. And it's not easy, but it's totally it scary. It's totally transformative when you can do that because it gives yourself a new level of awareness on the choices you make. Similar to how, you know, you can make new choices about people in relationships. Mm-hmm. You can do exactly the same thing about your habits with money. It's not easy and it's going to feel strange, but it all begins with you and you have the power. As humans, we are worthy of having money. That is just, you know, how it is we are allowed to make money. And, and as you say, in this global environment, now there's so many opportunities. If we start shifting from a poverty mindset and feeling like lack, like there isn't enough to, wow, how can I see this differently? What opportunities are out there that'll help me bring this in? And it it can feel overwhelming at first, but if you just start looking initially at awareness and saying, hmm, okay, I don't, I don't have to believe that you can start collecting Proof To show that it's possible. Mm. And we've talked about this a lot inside, you know, different friend groups. And if you start asking tough questions to your friends, it invites them to up level along with you.
0: Yeah. And if you hang out with people who think the way you want to think, you will naturally have to stretch into their mindset. You won't be able to low level think around high level thinkers. And that's not a hierarchical thing. You know, it's like if you're around people who are aggressive, controlling, unkind, disrespectful, then when you move around people who are not like that, your behavior will naturally have it modeled and you'll want to do it in order to fit in. So you're sort of hacking your biology in a sense, and you'll adopt behaviors, including with money. Yes. You know, and, and I, I think like what you were saying earlier about instead of trying to get the thing, like the job, the money, the thing, or the body or the relationship, like, oh, I'll, I'll be happy when I am when I find someone, or I'll be happy when I have, you know, a six pack or whatever it is. Yeah. Or when I have $100,000, it's like, Actually cultivate the worth and watch all of that shit come to you.
1: You call it in. It's yeah. just how the energy flows. And it's about getting real in where you're at now so that you can identify shame, so that you can be super grateful for whatever you have. Like I go on these gratitude rants uh, with people often uh-huh. to say like, oh, yeah, it sucks that we may not have our dream home right now or we may not have you know, the company we want right now, or we may not have everything we want right now, but what do we have now that we're really fucking grateful for? I'm so grateful that I have a roof over my head. I'm glad that I have a computer that works. I'm glad I have friends that light me up. I'm glad I have access to Instagram so I can follow people that inspire me. And I'm so glad that I'm a human who has the ability to unfollow those who don't. Like everything in a gratitude rant, changes you. It's like, wow, I just see things differently. And that's- You can
0: find love for a tree. Like just look at the tree around your house
1: or your apartment or down the street. Like listen to the birds, anything. It just helps you have a little bit of a pattern interrupter to reframe and say, oh, you know, I can choose differently around money. And the the game of shame in money is so strong. You have to work at it. It's not going to be something you're like, well, I need to just deal with in the future. No, you have to take action at it now and just be kind to yourself, do it in small doses. And the best way to do that is through gratitude rents and finding things that bring you small joys. Like don't be so hard on yourself about cutting out things. Yes, you want to cut out things with costs that don't serve you. Like, let's say if you're paying extra on your credit card bills for interest, yeah, we want to get rid of that ASAP. But don't beat yourself up because you have the credit card debt. Debt is simply an opportunity for you to make better choices, to open doors, and you have to have a plan to pay it off at the back end. We don't want to be acquiring debt for mindless stuff. But if we're using it as a way to up-level ourselves and invest in ourselves and find more worth in ourselves, that is okay. So if you're sitting there with some debt and you're like, I suck. No, you're a human who can make better choices. You can bring in more income. You can save more income. And you can use Automation, for example, or technology like Mint.com that can help you be aware of what you're doing, but not so deeply embedded in it that you feel waves of shame. You can observe it and say, "Ah, it's interesting. I'm going to choose something different, which serves you in a nourishing way.
0: Well, and if you can build that skill with money, you can learn that skill with people, with communication, with love, with everything, with food. And that's why it's all the same thing. That's why I talk about relationships in so many different aspects. And there's a couple things I wanted to just, for people listening, what are some archetypes that can sort of show up with money patterns. Like like I was someone who goes in the red and then, and I, I don't know what you would call that.
1: So there's all kinds of different archetypes. So like there's people who are obsessive savers, like they will not buy anything because they are just valuing having money in the bank. And knowing what kind of archetype you are is really interesting one because it helps you identify with why the patterns you're choosing are you know coming out day to day. So someone who hoards money, super saver, never will buy things and they get value from seeing things amass. And that's okay. But I would challenge you to buy small things that make you excited and, and expand on that because it could become obsessive. It can become this place where you're just like, always trying to hoard money it, and it, you forget to see life as it is and enjoy it. What's and that from? It's from feeling out of control.
0: So like never wanting to be poor again, never yeah. wanting to...
1: Say your parents could have grown up um, without anything and you're like, I'm going to choose to be exactly the opposite of that. Or your, your dad could have been the exact same way. We don't automatically assume whatever our parents have done, but it influences our choices so we can be the same or opposite really. And so hoarders typically want to have control and they don't want to rely on others and it makes them feel secure. People who go into roller coaster spending or hybrids, they, they want hits of like dopamine and excitement. And they're just like used to being in that cycle. So again, stems from the past. And yes, Mark, we know that that's similar yeah, to you. Done that. Yeah. But what we really just get to the basic form is honoring who you want to be. Like, who, how do you want to interact with money and building things around it? So for you, you're an expert communicator. We need to find ways that honor you, that you can feel safe around your money conversations. Make sure that you have things set up inside of your online banking so you don't pay huge amounts of interest so that you can get excited mm-hmm. about what money brings you and not it just leaving you and looking for the fact that it doesn't serve you, that you are worthy as you are. And you can choose to save money. You can choose to spend money, but you get to decide, not let your belief control
0: you. Yeah. That uh, automation that Selena's talking about, um, we set up so that my bank account automatically takes money out every month and puts it into accounts uh, like for a cabin or for, um, I have a very money hungry Bronco that is expensive to restore. And, but I did buy it as a go bot essentially. So that's, I did, I did do a change my money story there.
1: And you're up leveling. Yeah. And
0: I, uh, what I can afford to change. I change.
1: So tell me how you felt when we were going through the process of changing your accounts.
0: Well, it felt really cool to see money come out and me not really notice, but also be like, oh, I now have money in all these other accounts that are contributing to different things like that, buying the trip. Normally I would just slap a trip on a credit card for the last, I mean, I'm 40 now. So since I could go on trips, I've been doing that. So that felt very different. Um, and
1: D- different how?
0: It felt different in that I've never let myself do that. I've always just done the trip and then paid it off and it felt uh nervous i feel nervous even thinking about it i'm like okay i felt anxiety and i think that's because my self-worth in money has to grow into the actual balance like that shift challenges everything i you know cuz formerly even if i had money in the bank I would just go find a way to spend it. Yeah, I think a lot not. of that, like I never want to have wealth because I learned that wealthy people are bad. so I don't want to be bad. So I'll save myself from that by buying candy or awesome shit. And so, yeah, there was definitely a nervousness. And there still a, is.
1: There's an honoring process here because you, you go into your online banking and we've named his accounts, the things that he values and he loves. So there's literally a Bronco account in there. Yeah, there's and, a cabin
0: account. And there's I a- saw you earlier
1: looking at that and smiling. And so mm-hmm. I want to talk about you know, how it's really made you feel a little bit more in control when you see that.
0: Yeah, it makes me feel like my money's not running me anymore because I feel like I've always been chasing it.
1: Wow, look at that shift. So you're, you're like, now I'm feeling more secure. And this is exactly what it takes. It's a process, it's not an immediate shift overnight because we've been living our entire life with different, you know, money habits that don't serve us. So it does take time. But doing the mindset work that you've done, where now you call in money far more easily than ever. And oh, yeah. then, you know, on the opposite side, the system side, automating your money, it's calling it in and you can look at it every day. It's still in your control, but you're not moving the balances, which to me signals like, damn, you're getting it. And it's, it's like a snowball effect that you're going to really tr- catapult and change your money relationship for good. Because if you just do money and numbers and create a budget, it's hard to follow it because it's it's a merriment of mindset and strategy. And that's exactly what we're doing for Mark is that he needs to really lean into his abundance mindset, which this month you've absolutely crushed the abundance game on earning and being intentional about how you earn. You no longer... You know, call in money in ways that don't serve you, and I think that's really important because it keeps you motivated to have a positive relationship with money. That it comes more easily than ever before. Is that true?
0: Yeah, like there's been a lot. It feels like the little kid who got the Gobot is feeling what it's like to have a Gobot. You know, it like is is actually I'm actually experiencing the pain that I have been trying to escape, which I know sounds probably kind of weird to people, but. It really is just like in relationship when I was healing anxiety. You have I would to feel it. I would say, if I was enough, what would I do? And I wouldn't text or I wouldn't chase or I would have a hard conversation or I'd call someone towards me, you know, and that healing has been very much done with Kylie. So this is similar. It's yes. similar. It's it's another experience of me feeling into the pain of of not escaping through material you know, getting this dopamine hit and actually seeing that I, I don't have to chase it. I can create this from the self-worth. I can create that. And that transition of going from, I was working coaching people and that was really the income that I brought in in order to, build my website, my marketing, my branding, you know, since I started as an entrepreneur four years ago.
1: Right. That safe income zone.
0: Yeah. And that has been a learning, but then now to let that go to create space and time to do other things and trusting that that was starting to feel heavy for me, you know, and now I have a really amazing business manager, Emma, who sees clients who's, and that's changed everything. It's like a scale up that I have to do if I want to expand.
1: And you couldn't have done that had you not done the mindset and the worth work. Because it's, it's a process. It's like getting clear with where you are now, calling in what you want, and then using the mindset and the systems to create leverage and scale up. And you can do that whether you work as an employee or as a business owner. It's really getting clear on what serves you, what do I need to keep, what needs to go. So for you, we went through this process of saying like, when you're earning this type of income, does it serve you? And we let go of the ones that didn't. So we could free up your time, which is really important in money. We forget how important our time is and our emotions around money. And you're like, yeah, I want to do these things. This lights me up. And then you're excited about it. You can create more, you feel more inspired. And then through this process, you've also had really amazing conversations about money with people you wouldn't have had before.
0: That's true. And the the real part of that it's coming from a place of li- of light, lightness. Like it doesn't feel heavy. I know what it was like to go to work every day. I had a career for almost 15 years where I went to work every day. And by the end of it, it was heavy. It was super heavy. And that was as I was starting writing and I had to let go of a job where I was making like a total comp probably of around 150,000 a year. And I walked away from that with literally no guaranteed income at all. I was Uh, you know, it was, I remember getting a line of credit and my dad was like, why don't you just take a leave of absence from work? And I was like, dad, that's like saying, I don't believe in myself. I have to go to the Island and burn the boat. Like, and I remember listening to Lisa Nichols um, who's a really amazing motivational speaker and coach. And I remember she said, don't just quit your job for your dream. Use your job to invest in your dream, like use them as the investor in. And so I literally would crush it from like, that was where uh, Gary Vaynerchuk came in for me. I then learned that hustle, hustle, hustle it was not very fun, but it was like from five to ten at night, I would, I would work on this business. Yeah. And when you're in a state of service, uh, it's really weird. But when I first started working, you know, people would say like, just trust, like just let go, just start your work, and the universe will take care of you. And I'm like, have another joint, buddy. Right. But I totally believe that, and I'm not smoking weed. You know, it's like
1: comes around. It's amazing
0: that when you step into your mess and make it your message or you become the teacher you needed, it is because everyone needs you. Everyone needs you. And this is the greatest. I couldn't be more in love with my life.
1: I love that. And every piece of money requires some form of healing. Like we all have trauma we bury around money. And so yeah, healing work is tough. Like it's, it's hard work. But it's necessary to get to the next level. And at every level, there's a new form of healing. And a good gut check for that is like, oh, is this feeling really hard? Like when <laughs> yeah. you left that job, you're like, you couldn't stand to go to that job anymore. That may mean one of two things you need another job that serves you, or you need to create a business. And I think that's good yeah. advice for anyone. If you're feeling every day like money is all consuming and you don't like your job, you have to start looking at. At things that really light you up and leaning into that. You don't have to immediately quit your job like Mark did. I love that phrase. Well, I about, quit
0: it over time.
1: Yeah. I love. I did
0: start my website. I went back to school for the last year of my job.
1: Good. Cause that's what I was going to say. You definitely do want to start, you know, using your current job to help you save money, to invest in your future, to shift to entrepreneurship, wherever you're at, you do want to have some money saved. And, and one of the account names we used for Mark was calling in abundance. And yeah. that's an emergency fund but emergency fund doesn't sound sexy or exciting at all calling in abundance when you look at your <laughs> yeah, bank true. accounts every day and see that you're like yeah yeah i like that that sounds good feels good and that's the thing about money it's about feelings it's about security it's about being kind to yourself and doing the work and when you do the work you see the results
0: you really do and um i think you know for me it's it's been fascinating in all aspects of work cuz everything that brought me shame was the thing that could teach me most. Right. And that became a real aspect of my life that if I was afraid to see it or talk about it or think about it, then I knew I was avoiding a giant piece of wisdom. I, I made a very big commitment to that, that if it hurt me or it felt extremely vulnerable, it was my duty and in my it was my integrity that I had to. And although that's probably been the hardest, one of the hardest things I've ever had to commit to, it's been the most freeing because- what I started to see was that wherever I held shame, I held uh, like massive amounts of wisdom. If I was willing to sit with myself and look at the things that I sucked at and I wasn't good at and the way I showed up to partners, to people, to friends, you know, and and instead of seeking my friend's validation of, hey, yeah, when you start writing about love, we're all going to be sort of so supportive. That was not my experience. Um, my experience was, I was changing a lot of agreements I made with people before when I, you know, I agreed to be a certain way. I agreed to be like a player and charismatic and all these things. And when I started to really look at myself and write about what moved me, that changed agreements with people. And that's okay. And there's a shuffling that happens, but it was terrifying to potentially, although it didn't happen for the most part, potentially lose the people I love the most.
1: Yeah, and and failure with money is inevitable. We will always fail in money. So just Allow that to be in your life. Like money is fluid. It will come, it will go. You get to control the choices around it. And I love how Mark talked about wisdom because all of your past mistakes carry such important nuggets of wisdom that you can use to make your future better. And it's not about always being in struggle around money. For you, Mark, you felt this you know, really fully lately about how money can feel light and you're welcoming in many new revenue streams now because you did the hard work and allowed for it and you continue to do the work. It's just like relationships. Like you have to work on your relationship with your spouse or your girlfriend. You have to have hard conversations. The identical process with money. It's a relationship that we have to foster and nurture and grow. And when we're you know, in the weeds, in the mud with money, we can have other people have, have conversations about it with us. Like, If you're always spending differently than your spouse, I really encourage you to to let go of the pain around it and say, hey, let's get in this together. Let's talk about our past and how that influences us now and what do we want to achieve together. You can forge a new path for each other. You can let go of the past. You can honor it. You can decide to have you know, new rules around money that honor you both. Even if one's a hoarder and one's a saver, Mm -hmm. it's just about small choices and honoring each other in the process. And if you don't share money with anyone, it's about honoring yourself and really deciding what you want in this life. Like it's so important to realize how embedded money is in our day to day. Like money trauma can take us out in a second. Mm-hmm. Like we can be flying high and having the best day and we get a credit card statement in the mail and we open it up and it's like, oh, I owe all of this money. It can crash you down. And that's just a reminder that there's work to do and you are capable of doing it and it begins with choice.
0: Mm, and isn't that so true of every aspect of our lives? Absolutely. I mean, our money stories for Kai and I as a relationship have been one of the most vulnerable merging parts of our relationship too, is like, we come from very different backgrounds. We come from very different experiences. We come from very different messages about money and we are creating our own messages together, which is a beautiful thing where we can both acknowledge each other's experience and say like, Oh, that's why you do that. Yes. You know, I get to understand her more. I get to, because you, you know,
1: understand how she grew up. You can understand what she went through, how her mind processes money and you can give her grace.
0: Yeah. And instead of being adversaries, we're teammates, you know, we're not head to head money's in the middle and we're arguing about it. It's like, we both look at money side by side. And although they're sensitive, vulnerable experiences, yes. um, we're a team and, and that and you is have so to important.
1: F- you have to feel safe. There has to be conversations about the areas that don't feel safe and what you're going to do about them. And that's you know, unique to each couple, but for people feeling like money is an impossible scenario, it's not it just begins with wanting to do better and and knowing that you deserve that
0: yeah right, and the worthiness comes, you cultivate it, but then you have to learn to receive it. if you don't believe you're worthy of money, you get it you'll get rid of it, oh,
1: yeah, you spend it immediately, yeah. or you'll block it, and you'll you know people who start doing this work with me will often like get oh, it have you know that. lots of money that come in, and then all of a sudden they get lots of bills coming out too, because you're right, like there's a receiving piece, there's a worth piece, and we have to understand the flow and it, it all comes back to how we feel about ourselves it's about how we love ourselves money is just love
0: so for the people listening what is sort of the first steps that they can take you know they're going okay well maybe i do that maybe i have a go bot story maybe yeah. you know my parents were kind of like marks or maybe they're more like selena's so what would be the first steps they could take and where would they go and um, how would that work?
1: So if you're like, I'm feeling overwhelmed, get very simple here, write out like five areas of like strength that you have around money that you feel good about. Like, yeah, I'm really great at, you know, paying my bills on time. And then list like five areas where you feel really anxious about money and then get really clear about your past. And that could take some time, but it's really important to list you know some positive and negatives around money for you so you can get clear that you're not just bashing yourself or lying to yourself. It's really important to understand your anxieties and your strengths because it's a great um, foundation for you. And our past really helps us get clear on what beliefs we have now. So like worthiness, that really got imp- imprinted when we were young. Do you have stories like at the dinner table at your grandma's that you remember people fighting around money or did you have someone, you know, steal money from you? And it may be, you know, challenging at first to think about those stories, but as you're going about your day, just continuously ask yourself like, Oh, what do I remember about money? Because for you, some stories have come back over a year. So you may not remember them all because they're so deeply embedded inside you, but it's just asking the question, like, how did money show up in my life? you know, who was a a really good influencer around money for me? Someone that, you know, was a positive influence and a negative influence. And that's a really good place to start because for most people, we've not thought about money that way. Mm -hmm. Money is simply just about numbers. We were like, okay, I'm going to budget. I'm going to stick these numbers in the spreadsheet or I'm going to write on paper and never look at it again. Instead, a place to start is through emotion and past work. That's where I love to begin.
0: So you mean looking at where money felt icky, or where,
1: or maybe something positive, like you, you know, won a contest for some, you know, paper, and you made three hundred dollars, and you put it in a bank account and invested, and you ended up earning five percent interest, and you still have that, and you're really proud of it. It doesn't just have to be negative. It's pieces of your life that stand out to you around money that are of interest so you can learn your beliefs around it. Cause money is simply a collection of stories and those stories translate to some belief system and you can choose to keep them or not.
0: Okay. I have one that just came to me. See? So when I was a kid, I was, I was probably about the same age actually as fucking Gobot, And I remember I was told I wanted a Jack Russell terrier. one wanted one so bad. I don't know why I wanted their yappy little shits, but <laughs> I wanted one back then, probably because I was a yappy little shit. You know, they say you get a dog who's like you. I wanted to get one and I told my parents and I bought a book on Jack Russell's. I studied about them and I was so excited. Our family friends had one, I remember. And I was told that if I saved up money I could get one. And I was actually a good saver then. I would take all the money I got for Christmas. I'd take all the money I got. I would go uh I was a little like you, but I definitely didn't become an accountant because I knew how much work it was. And I was lazy. So I would say I was efficient and smart. Let's use a different word. Yeah. I was just like, I don't want to work that hard. That's a lot. So I saved up the money. And when I got it, I didn't get the dog. I wasn't allowed to buy it.
1: Boom. There it is. So you're like, Oh, I did all the work and then I couldn't actually do it. So why bother? The belief is even if I do the work, I'm still not worthy or you know, or if,
0: someone else won't allow me.
1: Or someone, my parents stand were in like, way. Ah,
0: "You can't." We didn't actually think you were going to save up money for a dog. What are you like, you know, like some sort of mini entrepreneur? I was shoveling walks,
1: and that's a good lesson for all parents listening. If you create an agreement with your child around money, it's important to honor it because that will allow a ceiling to be placed. So for Mark, he's like, "Oh, see, I did all the work they said I needed to do at, around you know earning for this dog, and I did it." And they didn't honor it and it, it creates a th- ceiling for you.
0: It was three hundred and twenty-five dollars.
1: See, you I'll still I'll never forget. Yeah,
0: I do remember. It was like three hundred or three twenty five. That number that was a number I knew I had to save. And I'm sure they were like, You'll never do that. I mean, I'm forty, so remember, three hundred and twenty-five dollars is probably like thousands. Yeah, it's like ten thousand dollars now. Wow. So yeah, so, so let's unpack back that.
1: Me. So how do you think that could have showed up, you know, in in adulthood? when you're going through that cycle of, you know, getting the dopamine hit of spending and then not saving, why, why wouldn't you save could be correlated to the fact that when you did, you didn't get what you wanted anyways, and you didn't feel safe in that moment. And you perhaps felt a little shame for leaning into the fact that you thought you would get the dog.
0: Man. Yeah. Now I'm thinking I got to clear this with my parents. Like I did with the GoBot story. Yeah.
1: So I, I had Mark talk to his parents about this because as You know, family dynamics, we don't always understand the impact because we all have different perspectives on the same event, right? So it's important to have conversations so that your parents can say, Oh, no, I didn't mean that at all. And you can heal that piece together. You can also heal it on your own, but Mark has very supportive parents. And so it's really good to have those conversations because these things impact us. Like, that's a really important story in your money journey.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I like, as you were saying that, I was like, timelining in my head and I'm like, Oh man, I remember that so well, being very disappointed, being like, fuck you for telling me exactly. we were going to do something. And then I did the thing. And I think, you know, my spending, I think comes my, it used to come from an energy of like a fuck you kind of spending. When I think about it, like the energy being like, I'm just going to do this and it's going to be amazing. And I don't care. I-
1: so they stopped you from being able to buy a dog, even though you had the agreement and you saved all you could to make sure it happened.
0: Every And then
1: look at how you spent. You're like, fuck you. I'm going to do it this totally anyways. Was. So that feels I what I spent
0: it in on. alignment. I bet I spent it on chocolate milk and candy and then I got chubby. And it, so it makes so much sense. It's
1: immediate sugar high. You're soothing, like, oh soothing, yeah. soothing,
0: soothing. And then my relationship with food became soothing that feeling. So see how good money- God, look at the channel, Mom and Dad. You deny my Jack Russell. I become a chubby kid. I get called a porker, and the rest is history.
1: Money is in everything. Man. And my story on that was Nothing I was like
0: getting unpacked.
1: six years old, and I had this like cherry purse and I loved it. We went shopping, had a hundred dollars in there, and I went to buy, you know, this shirt. I tried it on it, it was too big. I went back to the dressing room, and my mom was standing there. And I said, Mom where's my wallet? Where's my purse? And she's like, I don't know. She's like, money leaves you. And when I was doing this work, getting very comfortable in understanding my past, I realized that moment that I was sitting in the closet, that in that 60 days I was out of the hospital, I'd spent $50,000 of my savings trying to like make myself happy with clothes and wine. and, And it was just simply the story that money leaves me. When, I, wow. when I'm not watching it. And so that was epically powerful. So just like yours is a Jack Russell dog, mine is a little wallet that was all of my birthday money that just completely disappeared. And when my career disappeared because of health, I felt out of control in the same way. And so it can be a really small moment in your past, but be epically important to who you are as a person and the choices you make now.
0: So when people are you know, listening, timelining their own money experience, looking for emotional parts, positive and negative. Because I do remember being really excited about being able to save. That was like a sense of pride. Yeah. And then fucking getting screwed over. Can't wait to talk to you about that, mom and dad. <laughs> when I cleared the GoBot story, it was so funny because my parents are just used to me now, you know, in some way. <laughs> and my mom was, I was like, I need to talk to you guys about something. And my mom was like, okay. And I was like, so remember when I was a kid and you bought me a Gobot instead of a Transformer, and she's like, "I can't say that I do." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, that's fair. Actually, that makes a lot of sense." And I'm like, "I need to clear with you that I was pissed and I felt blah blah blah." And she's like, "We're so sorry." <laughs> and she's like, so kind of laughing because it is a bit. It felt a bit ridiculous, but there was a really beautiful moment of clearing that we're going to have again now. So that's good. So when people do timeline and they find these little things and you know, as you said, you can, if you're safe to clear with someone about anything, not just money, Safety but relational, it yes. has to feel safe. And sometimes that gets created through the actual conversations. Um, cause you change relational patterns there yes. and you clear out the ether between you and another, cause it's not just about money stories. No, it's, it's about layers. emotional traumas. It's about, you know, like I've had to clear some things with my brother. I'm like, you know, in my experience, when this happened, when we were young, it really hurt me. And he's like, whoa. I didn't even know I did that. I'm so sorry. And it it clears space between us.
1: It not only clears space, but it opens up dialogue that we've likely never had before in a way that can feel really loving and supportive and being like, oh, I I really want to support you in some way. And it's not a regular conversation. So I often hear from people who do this that it's it's really positive and it can strengthen that relationship because you go deep together. Um, And if you don't feel called or secure enough to have these conversations with people you can do the work yourself. You can do lots of journaling around it. Like let these emotions that pop up onto the page. You can really get clear on your breath work. Like when you're at the store and you feel a tremendous amount of anxiety because you're making a purchase and you don't feel worthy, you can allow yourself to go into medicine breath. Like four in, four out, you know, four that, seconds
0: in, four seconds,
1: seconds in, yeah. four seconds out, or whatever breathwork serves you. I happen to love that one because it's got the tactical soldiers do that in combat as well as like yogis. So it's like literally allowing us to quiet ourselves and allow us to feel more calm. And with money anxiety, that's what we want to do is just allow the quiet. And then once we have the awareness, we can say, Oh, nope." no, I choose another story. So in that moment, you could just say, I am worthy of buying this and I have gratitude that I have the funds to do it. And if you don't, be gentle with yourself and say, you know what? I'm going to leave this in the store right now, but I'm going to find a way, you know, to call this in in the future. And it's, it's about an agreement with yourself. Whatever feels good for you That is what I want you to follow. It's not about harming yourself through money. It's about creating security and safety and nourishment. Just like when we go and, you know, gorge on chocolate bars and and chips, that doesn't feel good. It's the exact same when we go into these overspending Mm. binges. It's the the crash, the shame cycle. And so, you know, over the next while, I encourage you to just pay attention to how money shows up in your life and, and the things you buy. Gentleness and awareness And using tools like meditation or breath or journaling helps get these things out that have been so deeply layered inside of you. And when we get clear on that, we allow inner richness in a new way that's usually never been a part of our existence before.
0: Yeah. And I think for couples to be able to, no matter how long you've been together or you're just new, to be able to say like, I'm really interested in creating a really beautiful relationship with money with you. Yes. And if you've been together, together a long time and uh, you know what they say, naked budgeting that works Well, yes. But if you've been doing it a long time, you know, being in a relationship that you can say like, own the parts about money that are yours first yes. and apologize because that builds the bridge of like, I noticed that I've racked up credit card debt or I didn't tell you about this side or this, but I'd really like to understand and heal it. With you. And that's true of all relational things. Yes. But money can be the source of a rebirth of your relationship. And that way, it's a little less tender than other emotional traumas that will eventually be healed as well.
1: Yeah. So, like, go meet each other halfway on the bridge, get in the mud together, like I'd say. And I encourage, you know, everyone in a relationship that's had financial infidelity, meaning you lied about money, you hid stuff, you attacked the other person either, you know, by saying you shouldn't have bought this or you're, you know, destroying us or whatever those words were to just come back to a place of let's set the slate clean. Let's come into this holding space for each other. And for me, holding space is, you know, let's go on a journey together. We're not going to judge. We're going to go in the mud. We're going to sit and hold each other. We're going to honor each other's mistakes and say like, okay, I see what, see what happened here. I understand better because I know that you grew up with these beliefs. I understand like your mom was kind of harsh to you about these things. And the more we get to know it's about compassion. how compassion of how each other grew up, we can give each other grace and then say, okay, I, I want to honor you. That must've been hard for you. You know, let's let's look at the mistakes we've made together and and choose a new way. Let's choose new rules around what honors us both for creating wealth. What can we do system-wise that feels good? What can we do emotionally? What can we both come to the table with doing mindset work? And I like to call these, you know, like money dates. Like I've had couples Mm -hmm. do this literally every Wednesday inside a bar because it's a fun environment. It's not intense. We want to have, you know, a safe zone. And they just talk about, each week, what they really appreciated about the other, what they were doing with money, and and some tender areas, but it's in a it's in a fun place, so they're not feeling you know the anxiety and the shame as intensely. Some people love to do it, you know, at home where they feel secure. It's it's just doing it where you feel comfortable and just being inherently honest and raw, and showing up for the other person and realizing they're doing their best. They're a human, and you deeply love them, and the relationship with money will just enhance the entirety of your relationship.
0: Yeah, all triggers are opportunities for bridges. You know, that's such a beautiful way to leave these lovely humans. And um, thank you so much. You're like one of my favorite people on the planet and you have helped me so much. And I'm so appreciative of you.
1: I love you. You've done amazing work and I'm honored to be your friend.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to send people to you. Where do they find you?
1: So, Instagram, my handle is Selena G Money. I am. Yeah, I like that.
0: Selena G Money. What? what? Don't add the what.
1: No, just, just Selena, Selena G Money. Money. That's also on Facebook. For all the gals wanting to go a little bit deeper, I have a women's entrepreneurship group called She's a Money Boss on Facebook. And I just really encourage people to come, you know, interact with me. I've got lots of online courses and masterminds that really get to the heart of beliefs and get really clear on what you want and then make your life feel um, energized by money and not live in shame.
0: Yeah, make sure you go follow her, make sure you check out her stuff. And um, man, I can't wait for people to all of a sudden be making dollar bills and then they donate to my podcast, which I don't actually, you can't even do that yet, but I'll figure out a way to do it. That's a ripple
1: effect of wealth. Give your time, give your heart, give your money. And it comes back to you.
0: And as a way of sort of like experiencing gratitude here, I would love it if you guys could rate this, write a review, five stars obviously would be ideal. Share it with other people who you think would really benefit from this experience of learning about their relationship to money, which I think is everybody. So if everybody could share it and everyone could leave a written review and some five stars, that would really help me out. And that allows me to get this to more people and to serve and to do like work. I love. And, um, I love all of you. I'm so grateful to have this life and Selena. Thank you so so much. I love you so much and
1: for all of you for listening.
0: All right. You guys have such a wonderful day.